welcome to the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis, and I'm here with Chris Bell. And we're going to talk about what we've been doing here at the Wacomanac Branch Library, games related with the uh, passing of Board Game Geek 2018. I'm finally back in South Carolina, rested up, and we've been playing some games. Chris, what have we done lately? Um, well, we've been introducing some new games to the library. Uh, our big one is Gaslands. Gaslands. All right. So Gaslands is a miniatures game played with? Uh, hot wheel cars or race cars or any small cars. Yes. Matchbox, Hot Wheels, anything of that scale. Though, to be fair, any game where you have the miniatures, you could make the scale. So if you have the great big shoebox size cars... You could go into the auditorium and play Gaslands there. But the problem is, in this game, you are battling each other, and half the fun of the game is going to be gluing weapons onto our cars and making terrain and stuff like that. Yes. Um, to reiterate on the scale thing a little, uh, the book actually comes with uh, recommended scales for different sizes and uh, how much you should scale up your um, guides for those and how big you should make your play areas for different scales. So it does scale pretty well. Right, so basically in the game, on your turn, um, or what happens on a turn is they're going to count gear, so however fast you're going, whatever gear your cars are in. So everybody who is going gear one, and you're always going at least gear one, is going to get to do a move, and you pick your template, you place the template in front of your car, you move your car to the end of the template, and then if you're within range of somebody, or in firing arc, you get to shoot at them. And you have pre-generated all your cars with all of your information. So do they have you know, like glue that shoots out the back or machine guns on the front or some wacky arc projector on top of the car? Whatever it is, that's one of our craft projects that we're going to do is we've got some little weapons bits and we're going to have the kids help build out their cars. And then we'll have little teams that we paint up and race them. So our hope is that in late December, early January, that not only will we have taught everybody how to play by then, but that we'll have some teams actually competing on one of our big tables here in the teen room. That's the goal. One of the uh, great things about Gaslands that works for us is it's quite simple. Um, all the car builds fit on one page. Yep. The entire step process for a turn uh, fits on one page. Obviously, there's extra little bits of rules here and there, but uh, for the most part, it's simple and easy to learn. You, the kids can pick it up quite quickly, uh, but it's got enough depth that it's still pretty fun. Right. And it is from Osprey Publishing, whom, if you're familiar with military history books, you might recognize the name because they have done like the uniforms of, you know, every <laughs> military in, in history, just about. <laughs> and they've also done some games now lately, and they've done some interesting and fun things. So... Check that out. That's called Gaslands. Now, right now, as of the time we're recording this, you can get Gaslands for $2 on Kindle. So it's not a print version, but at least you'll have a copy to flip through and look at. And I'm going to buy a copy probably as soon as we're done recording because I forgot to purchase it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yesterday what we did is, is I had previously bought some really cheap cars from the dollar store and we pounded those and clipped off pieces and glued them to things. And now we have wrecks uh, that we can scatter around to add a little bit more table interest and barriers and stuff. That can think. Now also we have a lot of tubes that we've collected from the library, from like paper towel tubes, from the you know, industrial strength, paper towel things and 
from our little labels that we use to stick on books to tell people when they're due back in, all kinds of things. So we're making pillars and, you know, piping and things like that so that we can say, oh, here's our, you know, industrial construction site location that we're going to be building at or, or battling at. Yes. Gaslands is primarily a miniatures game. So uh, the more you put into it, the more you will get out of it. Yeah, the cooler it's going to be and the more eye attractive it's going to be for folks. But you could do it on just a tabletop. Uh, with Hot Wheels and six-sided dice and cutting the templates that photocopy the templates and cutting them out of paper, and it will work fine. Absolutely. But on the other hand, we're going to buy you know, some fabric to go on the table so it looks like the kind of terrain that we're on. We're going to build things up a little bit because I think, I think a piece of good felt or some other fabric will keep cars from rolling <laughs> around. Um, yes, that was so, one problem we were having. On a smooth surface, um, the cars like to... Uh, wiggle a little from where you wanted to sit them. Right, 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 right. So that's it. That's pretty neat. That's exciting. And we're going to post pictures. We'll put some, of course, in the show notes and links to my uh, Google photos where I've got stuff from a couple of games that we played, either here and one I played when I was a board game geek. Thank goodness we've got our uh, you know laser cutter. So we're going to cut out some you know starting signs and ending signs and, and other cool stuff. <laughs> And, and there's, a, there's a lot there that we can do with the game. Absolutely. And more that we'll be able to do in the near future. When we get our 3D printer. In. Yes. Woohoo! All right. So and the, the cool thing about Gaslines is it's the kind of thing that if, is if you like have to have somebody in a room while teens are doing their thing but aren't necessarily interacting with them. We were here yesterday and we were working on these things and we got people excited about Gaslands. Not by playing it, because we weren't playing it at the time, but just by they were seeing the stuff that we're doing. So I think as they participated and helped us destroy a car or two, and as they you know, see them turn into really cool-looking terrain bits, that we will build up that kind of interest. But also it was something that we could do that was useful here in the room that didn't require constant attention. So we could also you know, make sure the kids didn't destroy anything when they were playing video games or flipping chairs over or whatever was happening. They yes. didn't actually flip chairs over, but... <laughs> Yeah. We'd have seen it if they had. One last positive note about it. When we were playing it, just Donald and I, um, I'd say two or three kids sat and watched us play it. They didn't want to play. They just wanted to watch. But for a good 30, 45 minutes, and for kids these ages, um, that's forever. That's right. Tweens and teens. and But I think that they were seeing how complicated it was so that they could decide whether or not they wanted to play. And so next time we have it, I expect that we will have a full... A, a full group. Hopefully. Oh, also, it does scale very well. So you can do one car each, four cars each, uh, so many points. You know, there's a lot of ways to sort of scale the scenario. You can do race games. You can do smash-up derbies. You can do King of the Hill and so forth and so on. So um, more reports later. All right. So I think we're going to move on from Gaslands. And let's talk about, oh, the new hotness. Keyforge. Yay, Keyforge. So previously we've talked about Magic the Gathering, which is a, you know, a collectible card game where you build your decks and then you play the game. And they do actually have a new box set that you can get that has pre-built decks, like five decks that are all made to go together and go against each other. Uh, and so that, that looks pretty neat. But it, is, it has been replaced a, a bit of the excitement here locally by a game called Keyforge. And what is Keyforge, Chris? Um, Keyforge is 
Um, it's a deck game. Right. It's, um, if you would call something like Magic a trading card game, I guess the best description of Keyforge would be a trading deck game. And we don't know if you can actually trade decks and pull them in or out of your collection or not. It gives the idea. Um, Once you have a deck, um, the deck is its own thing. Every deck is unique. Uh, The back of every deck has a pre-generated name so that the cards can't be mixed together. Um, Once you – I mean, the the deck that you open up, that is how it will always be. You cannot pull cards from one and put them in the other. It is on a deck-by-deck basis. Right. So the most fascinating thing is is that you know in the in the world of collectible card games or customize this, customize that, that uh, some people get a little frustrated that you just can't. Oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to play this. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, KeyForge, you buy a deck and MSRP is like ten bucks, and with that deck you can play that game and you can play it against any other deck. And because the cards are programmatically generated or the decks are programmatically ge- generated. You don't know if your deck is going to be any good. So there are going to be some real dogs out there. But it's not like you have to spend a lot of time or even a lot of money to do it. So right now we have four decks here in the room with the idea that people can just pick it up and play. And then we're going to buy like a case of decks for the room. And with these, the kids are going to be able to drop in, play the game, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to add them to our our library collection because you can go into the app and well, like I guess but maybe we'll make two or three library accounts because we have to have those for um, Hearthstone anyway because we've got a bunch of different Hearthstone accounts for a different company. But we can use those emails to, to create those accounts. And then that way, eventually, you should be able to play these online, I believe. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating game. So now how does the game play? What's, what's the whole point of, um, of Keyforge. Well, uh, so the goal of the game is to build three keys. Um, funny enough. Woo-hoo. As you play, um, there is a element called Ether, I believe. Is that right? Sure. That may not be right, but that's what I'm calling it. There's a MacGuffin. Yes. Um, and you will be collecting it, fighting for it, um, stealing it back and forth from each other, what have you, until you reach seven... I believe, or six. Six at the beginning of your turn. Yes, six. There are cards that may have been played against Chris that made it so that he had to have seven of them. Or nine. Or nine. Um, I yes. I don't know who would do such a thing. <laughs> As you, at the beginning of your turn, if you have enough, you build a key. Uh, you can only build one per turn. Games vary in length. Um, sometimes they can last 10, 15 minutes. Um, the other times... You could have a ridiculous combo that gets your entire deck back and starts the game over, and then it's going to last an hour. Depends on the random deck you got. Yeah. Um, there's no attacking players. It's all monster versus monster. Right. So um, I'm never hurting Chris, and he's never hurting me. Instead, he's attacking my minions, or I'm attacking his. Or I'm not, actually. My minions are attacking his. Um, and yes. the, the interesting thing is your deck is built of three factions, mm-hmm. all right? So on your turn, you can activate any one of those three factions. And what that means is that I can play cards from that faction into play, or the cards from that faction that I have in play, I can activate. But you can't can't really do both in a turn unless you have something, you know, you've already got some of those out, or you have a card that says, ready and do another character or something like that. So by and large, 
you're either putting cards into play, playing card and or activating cards that are already in play, or or maybe both, but you're not going to activate cards you just played. Usually. Yes. Um it was from the same creator as Magic, so it steals a lot from Magic. Yeah, Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. Um, so things like cards come in exhausted, so you can't use them on that turn unless you have other cards that give you special exemptions. Um, I mean, the monsters have generally, you can consider the same level of power and life as you would see in a typical Magic the Gathering game. Um, you tap cards to use them. You can activate them. Um, it's generally the same basic elements. If you know Magic the Gathering, um, you already know half of the rules of Keyforge. Right. So what what I find particularly interesting, and this is sort of a look back over the technology of producing games. All right. There are several times where you look back in history and go, oh, games changed here. So originally games, of course, printed in black and white, maybe on color chits or something, right? Eventually they got to where they could do color cardboard uh, through you know, photographic separation, et cetera, et cetera. Then they got, oh, wait, we're putting wooden cubes in games or more more cool parts. Oh, we're doing plastic parts in games and they look more like folks. Or Magic the Gathering had randomized cards that you would then trade or draft and do things like that. And then uh, WizKids started doing pre-painted miniatures with spinners on the base so that you could have things affect the minis over time or they come painted so you don't have to do them all up. This feels like another technological shift in games that is that is going to change the way I think games happen. Because the idea that you can have a computer program randomly generate card back art, randomly generate names for your decks, and create compositions of decks is fascinating to me. Yes. No two decks for this game are ever going to be alike. They're not going to share the same name. Um and that this is going to change. And it might not change it this year, and it might not change it next year. And, of course, it's a big company who did this game, so it may never change it for the broader, hey, we're starting to do things as you know as a new startup company. But just the fact that this is a thing, it's kind of staggering to me. As a guy who started off working in games publishing in 1995, to see these leaps um, is just just exciting. It is interesting to see the new technology just building a new type of game. I mean, and That's also we have another thing that has happened recently in games is games that use apps to support them. Yes. Whether it's just as background information or to facilitate gameplay or to actually as part of the game. So, um, good time to be in games, I think. Yes. Um, and back on Keyforge. Mm-hmm. Um, one major positive note I will say about Keyforge um, especially for people that are intimidated by Magic the Gathering, where you need to min-max a deck if you don't have this set of eight cards, your deck's useless. If you're not running this meta or that meta, it's useless. Keyforge, you buy the deck, you set it down, you shuffle it, um, you start playing before you look through your deck. I mean, you're good to go. It's There's no building, there's no min-maxing, there's what am I going to get? And let me deal with it. Yeah, it, I think it's a good way to explore decks. I hadn't really gone through mine before we'd played either one of the first times we'd played with our decks. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be crushed. I'm going to be, oh, I found a combo. Oh, looky here. I get all of my deck back, you know, or what have yes. you. And, oh, and now I get to do this. 
and then I could hear the lamentations of Chris, <laughs> and and it was uh. glorious. So, yeah, it is the the one possible downfall of KeyForge is that some of the games can last. Yes, right? it's not like oh, this is going to be always a fifteen minute or less hand cards. It can it can last a while, and I think that. Eventually, the gimmick is going to fall short, so don't expect that the Keyforge gimmick is going to, you know, always be an investment opportunity, like buying a box of Magic cards. Um, and and I don't know how rich the gameplay is going to last, but I'm going to say that right now in card games, it's an amazing hotness thing, and the ability that you've got here, grab this deck, play this deck move on to the next thing is just yes. pretty sweet and fast. I'd say as long as the developers can keep adding in enough new cards into their pool without, I mean, just overrunning it, as long as uh, they just keep a nice constant flow of new content, I think that it should work fine. Um, but I do think Keyforge will have a life expectancy. There will be a point in which the developers stop and the game will have run its course. Hopefully so. And I think that, that this feels like a proof of concept game. They wanted to prove that they could do these things. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to make a boatload of money on it. They're going to move along. And that, that as basically based on the gameplay, I'm enjoying it enough for what it is. I hope it doesn't become the giant monolith that magic does. I hope they do more with this kind of, format and development yes i think the best way to look at it is almost like a video game you pick up a single player video game for you know 40 50 60 dollars and you have your fun with it you play it for a while but eventually you do get to the end but especially for ten dollars a deck um you're gonna get your value out of it especially right now with everyone playing it yep and we also hope to have a tournament at shushcon by the way since we haven't mentioned it so far Shushcon, yes. Shushcon, Shushcon, <laughs> March 22nd through 24th here at Polly's Island, South Carolina. Come play games with us. We are going to do on that Friday, we're going to talk to librarians about story games and uh, role-playing games and sort of interacting and, and doing some of that more dynamic uh, character-driven stuff uh, with your patrons. Yes. So we'll talk about that on Friday from, I think, what, it goes from 1 or from 10 a.m. until 1 or 2 and then we break, send everyone to lunch, and then after that, uh, we play games uh, like fools for the rest of the weekend, for the rest of Friday, Saturday, and pretty long on Sunday, too. And, of course, yes. how much does it cost, Chris? Absolutely nothing. That's right. Nothing but time. And, hey, if you can convince your boss at your school or library that you're going to go to this training session, then you get work credit for it. So come on out. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. What else have we been doing? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, for the past few weeks, we have been playing a game called Detective. Oh, yes. Detective it's, is um, a modern crime board game. Yes. it's. Uh, we've been playing with four players. It is up to five. It is a, I believe, currently five scenario campaign game. Each scenario runs one after the other. Yep. Um, with some expansions, I believe, have either been announced or they may already be out. I'm not quite sure. Right. There's there's a there's a one scenario thing out, and there's more coming. Hey. Uh, all right. So I don't know if it can actually play five. I thought it was only up to four. I would not play it with five. I think it plays five. It is more importantly the thing. You say this just because there's five character choices. <laughs> um, I don't. 
Even if it says in the box five, it doesn't play five. Yes. No, we've had four players in a lot of success with four players. I'm going to say three is optimal. I'd say three would be great. Four, you know, you have one more head thinking and talking. Right. Um, five, too many chefs in the kitchen. So let's talk a little bit about what detective is. So it starts with a relatively simple scenario. And the only clue that we're going to give you is pay attention to your subject matter experts. Yes. Um, you're also going to want to keep excessive aggressive notes. So yes. when you encounter a name, make a note card and write down everything you learned about that person on that card so that in future scenarios or even later in that scenario, you have access to that information. Yes. As I said, it is a campaign game. The information you got from your first scenario will apply to the information you need in your fourth scenario. You will need to know everyone you've met and talked to. It's a giant story. It is one story broken into, and really it's broken into TV episodes. It, it is. It feels like a miniseries. A, it a, is. A high-budget high miniseries. <laughs> yes. It also requires an app. So, or not an app, but... A computer. A computer with internet access. Yes. Um, we have uh, used many whiteboards for this, which is a great idea right up until the point when you have to erase them. Yes. And you didn't take pictures, um, which mostly we got pictures of them. But, uh, yeah, so... It's tough, if, but if you've got a mystery club, mm-hmm. if you've got a group in your library or your school that is interested in these kinds of things, then basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to beat the clock while solving the mystery. This isn't one of those games like Tales of the Mythos or the Sherlock Holmes one where, oh, you're judged up against Sherlock Holmes. This is a, oh, you have figured these things out. Here's how much of a success you have or you've added cards to your future um, event. Um, or to your future scenarios to give you more, uh, you know, an advantage or maybe even disadvantage. I don't know. We haven't checked out the last scenario yet. Yes. And it's very much like a riddle um, as you play until you end a scenario. Um, it's very rare that the game outright tells you this is the answer to the problem or to the question you're trying to solve. It is here is information. Infer with it how you will. Let's see if you can get the right answer. I think we were doing scenario two or three. Hmm. And I called the shot for something that we found out in scenario four. Yes. And I felt so smart. I don't don't know that I was, but I was like, oh, based on something that so-and-so said, blah, 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 this is the thing. And to to the credit of the people with my group, they didn't call me an idiot. They were like, well, maybe, (laughs) sure. And then when it turned out I was right, I took a victory lap around the room because <laughs> yes. like nailed that. Now I didn't wasn't particularly useful the rest of the time, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's complicated. It's not suitable for many for many settings. If you're listening as part of a college library and you do games, mm-hmm. this would be ideal for that I, setting. Yes, I would say you probably want upper teens playing this um, partially for the difficulty and partially because there are a few points where the subject matter is a little um, a little rough darker yes that said we one of the guys who insisted playing with us he is 13 now he was 12 or 13 when we started hmm. and it, it did you know it hasn't sent him into fits of anything no um, 
Uh, um, still. But there, you definitely want a maturity check before running a game with any kids. Right. Uh, so I, I like it. I'm excited about it. Yes. Yeah, so that's Detective, the modern crime board game. And let us know if you are looking for crime board games or if you've used any, uh, specifically this one. And, and we will talk about it. Also, uh, Chris, is there anything else that we played that you'd like to talk about? I've got a few card games, but I think we can wait until you've had a chance to play those. Yes, I haven't been on the forefront of playing a lot of games in here right? Yeah, recently. Well, over the Thanksgiving break, it was dead in the room. It was quite so. All right, well, we're going to go back to playing with our Hot Wheels and banging things up and taking stupid pictures for the internet. Yay. We encourage you to go look at those pictures or to go and check in, out and find all of our other cool stuff over at inversegenius.com where I guess I need to update the photo album now. Um, with yes. Four gospels. I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Chris Bell. And you've been listening to Games in Schools and Libraries. You can find out more about Games in Schools and Libraries by heading over to InverseGenius.com and finding out about all our other amazing shows like Onboard Games, On RPGs, On Minis Games, The Inverse Genius Show, and The Room Escape Divas. If you'd like to be on the show, please approach us with your questions, comments, snide remarks, or topics as quickly as you can. Shoot us an email at schoolsandlibraries at gmail.com.